Ciao ragazzi and benvenuti to another episode of From N to I, the Napoli podcast which gives you blasts from the past in nice, easy, digestible chunks. My name is Henry Bell. I have no idea where that came from. Apologies, everybody. We're very lucky to be joined with the woman who literally has written the book on Napoli, Kirsten Schluitz. Hello, how are you today? Well, I am excellent because our Napoli are being wonderful on the pitch. How are you? It's all right, isn't it? It's like really good. It's just sort of uplifting joy from watching Napoli be amazing. And what would you compare that to, would you say? Maybe the feeling of seeing like Edison Cavani, Marek Hamsik and dearest Lovetsi on on the pitch many, many years ago. What do you think, Kirsten? Yes, I think we would go back in time about 10, 11 years to the Mazari years. And that sort of excitement that we felt when we were not quite sure at the start that Napoli were going to make a big impression. And then suddenly, I mean, I don't want to curse it, But at the very least, young and fun, we are definitely having fun with the young ones. Your hashtag was determined to get this hashtag up and running. I am. I'm going to make Fetch happen. Wonderful. So, yeah, today we're talking about, I mean, on the eve of the Champions League draw, I mean, some of you might be listening to this after the Champions League draw in real present time. But we're going to take you back in time to the first moment that Napoli played in the Champions League proper. Obviously, we know we played in the European Cup and all that with not much success, but let's not dwell on that. Maybe that's another podcast episode in the future, Kirsten. What what do you reckon? I think it might be when we are down about things, but right now we're happy. So let's go happy. So in 2011, Napoli went to play Manchester City in Manchester. And for my money, it was one of the funnest and most enjoyable games I've ever witnessed as a Napoli fan, probably for a variety of reasons. Um, now, Kirsten, you're going to give us a bit of context in a second. I, can I give you some personal context about this game? It depends. Before... Is it my personal context or yours? It's mine. It's mine. <laughs> okay. This... Then, yeah. Think... Uh, yeah, good. Thank you. Thank you. Um, for a lot of us Napoli fans that are far from Vesuvius, this game represents a kind of dawning of a new era I think because it was the first game in the Champions League and for us watching outside of Italy the Champions League matches are usually shown in bars and TV and they're easier to get your mitts on and your hands on sorry and so it was the first time I saw Napoli play in a bar and I was living and working in London at at the time and there was this big in my head it was a big bar next to Highbury and Islington Tube and my friend John He was a recruitment manager who at the time earned a lot more money than me, uh, came with me and bought me drinks all night. And we watched uh, Man City Napoli in a pub together. And that sounds quite normal, doesn't it? But for me, someone that started supporting the club in 1990, it was a huge deal, like seeing the club on the big screen and being able to have a beer and be surrounded by mostly Manchester City fans, even though we're in London. It was tremendously exciting. So researching this, I've gone back through the game and lots of it doesn't quite bear resemblance to my slightly bleary memories. So please, Kirsten, can you just help fill in my foggy brain with some actual context that's true? 
Well, I will try. I mean, you have to remember I was in the U.S. at this time and Syria was possibly even less in 2011 broadcast, at least in the Western U.S. Um, than it was in England. But I can give you what I knew at the time as a Nancyet Napoli fan who was trying to be an expert and talking to people like Manchester City fans about what was happening. I knew what was happening with their club. It was also their first time in the Champions League, which seems outrageous now, but they just come into their oil money. They just bought Sergio Aguero, which how much was that cost? It was 36 million quid, I think. Yeah, that was a, it was the first Aguero season, wasn't it? Yes. It was. Good point. It was his first season. Before that, um, they'd finished third with Carlos Tevez with 23 mm. goals in all competitions. Um, but yeah, they came into their money. They splashed out on what doesn't seem like a huge sum for the Premier League now, but was pretty big uh, 11 years ago. And then, um, so Aguero was on fire. They were already four weeks into the Premier League season. And to me, it was really scary because at that time, I was definitely more into the Premier League than I am now. And they had uh, won 4-0, and then they were kind of on an edgy game in which they won 3-2. Then it was 5-1 against Spurs of all teams. That was the um, most respectable side, I guess you could say, that they played in these first four games. And then it was 3-0. So that's what we were coming up against when we were heading into this game in, what was it, September 2011, was this team that was ready to dominate everything They actually ended up winning the Premier League that year. It was their third English title, but their first um, Premier League title. The the infamous moment against Queen's Park Rangers. Yes. (laughs) Just after uh, United thought that perhaps they had won. And it was all because of this incredible spending power that they were given. And then there was Napoli, who were buying who we, you know, the players that we already mentioned, the Hamshiks, the Cavani's, the Lovettis, who we loved, but who certainly weren't taking the world stage. By there weren't household time. names yet, were they? Exactly. No. Absolutely. So, and so if you were to um, Google, like Manchester City won, Napoli won preview, uh, would an article come up written, written by you, Kirsten, you was know, it- in your... Was it written by me or was it? It's got your name on it. (laughs) And if you look to the prediction ahead of the game, what could you, could you come clean on what your prediction was for this game 11 years ago? Um, 11. Well, let me preface this by saying I hate to make predictions. I didn't come from a betting country. So in my opinion, if you make a prediction, it's basically jinxing your side. So I went with 4-0 Manchester City, correct? Okay, the, there's not jinxing. That is correct. There's there's not jinxing and then there's like <laughs> kicking the shit out of your team in, in public. 4-0. I mean, I, I mean, say... 4-0, 3-2, 5-1, 3-0. Those were some pretty high numbers. 
those are numbers Napoli look like they're ready to equal right now. But and at I that think... time, Napoli certainly weren't. And we have to remember that Serie A starts like two weeks after the Premier League. So we weren't as ready to take on a club at the time. And I, it was a very well-written article. I mean, I'm not criticising <clears throat> the content. It was excellent and worth looking up, everybody listening. But, um, well, was that prediction correct? We're about to find out. So anything else in terms of so the, the group that Napoli were drawn in? I mean, Napoli have historically had the absolute worst luck, haven't they, in terms of what, what groups they're drawn in. This group wasn't a huge bunch of fun, was it, for a kind of team from Italy fresh to this elite competition. Um, we had well, Bayern Munich and we have Man City and we have Villarreal, right? And was that when Villarreal started their at least second European league dominance or was that just before? Even so, I think, they seem scary. Yeah, and they were decent side. They were in between those two periods at that time. So there was some of the remnants from their sort of heroic stuff from the noughties were still there. Like, I think Senna was in the team still. But like, um, yeah, I mean, I think I remember looking at that draw and thinking there's absolutely not a chance in hell with Salvatore Aronica at the back that we're going to make it through. <laughs> Sorry to speak your name in vain, Salvatore, if you're listening. Um, I love you dearly. But um, yeah, and I think what you've said... Because then, you know, absolutely establishes like exactly what the context was. You've got this new global mega club and you've got a club that's relatively recently come out of Serie B with some decent signings with a with a plucky manager. And we're going to talk a bit more about him later and some of his fashion choices. And I don't think anybody really gave us a chance in hell, including yourself. Um what are your memories of this game, though? Have you got? Does anything sort of remain from 11, 11 years ago before we actually talk about the game itself? Um, I mean, I remember being surprised at everything that went down because it seemed like we were being dominated by a city that, you know, our backline with the Aronicas of the world were... <laughs> <laughs> being just run ragged by the likes of we have already talked about Kuna Guerrero and then we have Eden Jekyll yeah. um, and then um, David Silva and on the other side Vincent Company and Joe Hart and Goal Don't forget Yaya Torre who I think is just an amazing footballer uh, needs more praise um, I think so yeah absolutely so Okay, let's talk about the game. So Napoli are wearing that kind of black-grey kits that I really like with little bits of blue dotted dot in there. Very important to know. Yeah, we've got to talk about the kits. I mean, come on. I mean, and even just watching them come out of the tunnel, it's hilarious because you just see, like, you know, Aronica next to David Silva and you think, oh, my goodness, this is going to be a massacre. 4 nil. It's going to be 4 nil, And you see Walter Mazzari in, like, a this hilarious sports jacket. And I, I will look back at the, those of you that want to watch the whole game, it's on Footballia, Footballia, which is a Brazilian site that has hundreds or thousands of uh, retro games. So do have a look. But he just looks, what does he look? He looks like he runs a sports bar, basically, like a kind of shady sports bar in Where Miami. 
drink whiskey and smoke at the same time. No smoking laws apply to this man. hundred um, percent. You know, have a look, people listening. Is that a leather jacket? Is it a waterproof jacket? Is it both? Either way, this whole sort of thing of like global mega club and next to Robbie Mancini, who's the city mister, who just always looks effortlessly stylish and in control. He, poor old Matsado just looks like he's won a competition, you know? <laughs> it really puts lie to the whole idea that all Italian managers are stylish and suave. Absolutely. And um, yeah, so we are lining up and we kick off and just again those of you watching there's also a really good youtube on video with a bunch of napoli tifosi watching the game from a bar in naples and it intercuts with highlights from the um game itself so do have a look at that as well but yeah so i mean the game starts and like first thing to note is christian maggio maggio sorry who we um should talk about a lot and we probably don't, um, but like he starts the game incredibly well, and he sort of is in this game a kind of counter-attacking playmaker, right back extraordinaire, and he's super, super quick. I mean, Superbike is his nickname, and he he sort of is instrumental in the first proper chance of the game, which falls to Napoli, and he feeds uh, Cavani. Oh, just saying the name makes me happy who sort of tries this long range effort that sort of goes over. It's not a particularly noticeable chance, but what you see is the confidence, is the kind of Matsari era sort of Grinta and Katsima and just like, here we are. It's a big stage. Okay, we didn't cost 80 million quid, but we're going to give you a bloody good run for your money. And it's just a lovely sort of introduction into the, the Matsari era, a reintroduction of the Matsari era, those of you watching back. Um, yeah. Do, were you a fan of Christian Maggio? Kirsten, back in the oh, day? Oh, absolutely. Apart from his Calendario appearances, his, <laughs> <laughs> his early appearances on the pitch, his, his games, he just always looked up for it and always had this confidence. Um, obviously not like the confidence of a Cavani taking that long-range kick, but he knew what he was doing. He was eager to do it. He was fast and intelligent in a way that I guess we don't always see in the back line or I guess from any footballers. Um, but that was kind of something that distinguished quite a few of the Missouri team. Um, <clears throat> and then we have to look, you pointed this out, Henry, that he was at that time, probably one of the best right backs in the world, but nobody was noticing it because, you know, we're Napoli, we're just getting back into the Champions League and we're not spending hundreds of millions on people. And then I went ahead and looked up the city right backs. <laughs> they were Micah Richards and Pablo Zabaleta. And I didn't check Zabaleta's age at the time, but I imagine it was getting a little up there. And obviously you can be a defender and um, be a little older than the average age on the pitch. But as we saw with Maggio, it does wear on you, um, especially if you're playing in a formation that requires you 
to get forward a lot and where's your and he does so in this game i mean he's just like oh my goodness he's everywhere he's so quick and he bursts through the middle we'll talk about that in a second but yeah absolutely and i think we were quite lucky to hang on to him for as as long as i mean the fact he's a club legend with over 300 appearances and okay you think 2011 danny alves is really the best right back in the world i don't think Maggio was up at that level but he's not that far away sort of like proper like when Gulam got really good for that half a season, but I don't want to talk about that because I'll start crying. But that's a, that's a promising opening. But then things start to go a bit wrong because we have this incredible Manchester City midfield of David Silva, who's a you know, wonderful player, Yaya Torre, wonderful player, Gareth Barry, okay. <laughs> he can do a job. <laughs> and... This is a Villa uh, fan here. You got to give him a little more than okay. okay. Although at that time, maybe we can the, criticize him a bit. The poor man's Michael Carrick, or poor woman's Michael Carrick. I think um, he's an intelligent footballer that can do a job, absolutely. And and uh, Samir Nazari, who back then was actually quite good. So, and what happens is that City just passed the ball through through Napoli, and like uh, Paolo Cannavaro really struggles against Jacko. Um, and it's actually quite fun to watch because I just remember this team is like, you've got these three wonderful players up front, you know, Cavani, Hamsik and Lovetsi and two really good wingbacks in uh, Uzuniga and uh, Maggio and then a bunch of hackers. And you really see that in this first half. You've got these incredible... I was going to say that's basically the same as City. You know, they've got the good ones up front and they've got the wide players, but then you said hackers and <laughs> alas, City did not really have that. Yeah, well, they had this midfield that could just pass it around us. So there's a whole bunch of chances. I'm not going to go into great detail because you can go and watch it, guys. But I think um, Silver's very dangerous between the lines. Our back three have plenty of heart, but not a huge amount of talent. Jacko does some great stuff. De Sanctus with a great save, tips it around the corner. Maggio hacks down Nazarene and gets a yellow card. Um, Gargano hacks down silver to stop a, 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 an attack. Um, there wasn't much looked, we could do, really, but hack no. at that point, unfortunately. Sit deep and hack. I think that's, uh, you know, the, the the early 2010s equivalent of keep calm and carry on in, in Naples, I think. So, like, but then what's quite interesting is, is that we actually absorb this, start to push slightly further up, and then... Madak Hamsik brings the ball out from the sort of right side of midfield, flips it cross field to Juan Zuniga, hugely underrated left back. Really, really like him. Um, should get talked about more. Uh, Colombian international, I believe. And he releases Lovetsi, who breaks through. And there's this glorious moment where I'm just reminded of what a wonderful player Lovetsi is. Does this perfect curling shot, beats Joe Hart, one of my least favorite players in the history of football, and it hits the bar. I've written my notes, Cavara-esque. Perhaps Cavara is Lovetsi-esque, I believe Michele Borelli would say. Um, and so this is really the story of how to hurt Manchester City, which is on the break. And it reminds me of how wonderful a counter-attacking team the Mazzari Napoli were, actually. Um, so, yeah. And, and that's kind of... I think we can go into that more in future episodes because we'll definitely be talking about Walter's teams a lot more. But how would you say they differ the most from what Mancini was doing at City 
at that time. I mean, we're counterattacking, but how is it that they were countering us, you might say? Yeah, I mean, that's exactly what it is. It was two styles. So you've got this counterattack and Mazzari kind of counteracts the middle you know, once the first half progresses and starts to get things out wide and we just start to counterattack and you've got this front three that interchange. I've forgotten how much Hamsik just floats across that kind of front three. It's glorious, beautiful stuff. I'm getting so nostalgic during this episode. Um, Rossiti actually really passed it through the midfield. They like to sort of do that kind of carousel around the midfield and and Dzeko's muscularity sort of added to that kind of breaks through. So you've got Mancini's team trying to work things through the middle, Mazzari's team trying to absorb and take things wide. And you know, a few things, other things happen is City hit the bar, but then it's then it's half time and it is really even actually. And it's very I've written one, it's it's very much not Pep versus Sari. It's a very physical um game of two, as you mentioned at the beginning, two teams that have fresh the Champions League, the full stadium. And it's great fun. It's just like proper, like pugilistic you know end-to-end stuff and two very different footballing styles and I sort of remember being in the pub going if this is the future of watching Napoli then fucking brilliant I just went, <laughs> you know it all kind of flooded back to me watching it so like there were some goals though in the second half um which we can tell you about I suppose do, do you remember or they can oh. watch it for themselves but what would you do if our podcast wasn't here for you. We'll tell exactly. you. If you're ever at a, in a bar with some Neapolitans and you quickly have to recall this game, thank goodness for this podcast. So, like, okay, spoiler alert, Napoli score. And it's incredible. It's just beautiful. And they score in front of all the ultras who go completely and utterly bananas. And at the center of the buildup is superbike christian maggio and when i first made my notes i got him mixed up with hamsick that's how just like blink and he's someone else and he burst Wait, did he have his socks down too or were you just not paying attention that well <laughs> slightly before all of that but i think um yeah so the aforementioned gareth barry loses his mind in possession in the napoli half and maggio seizes on it and just hurtles forward like a superbike 40 yards releases Cavani at the perfect time he's perfectly onside he then hits it first time low through Joe Hart who is so annoying as a human being through his legs and also had some incredible issues with you know defending goal but also annoying as a human we can maybe do a podcast about times Napoli players have humiliated because Dries Mertens had a wonderful game against him for Torino where he scored like four goals anyway so and it's it's wonderful and Cavani looks to the heavens which is important to him may not be important to everybody but is important to him and you see all the um ultras jumping up and down and I was in a bar full of Manchester City fans and I just couldn't believe it I was just absolutely joyous at that time and it's Napoli's re-arrival on the world stage and I would say that if you are an Napoli fan and probably most of you are right now even if you look back at this now, you will still feel the chills when you watch it on 100%. YouTube. Absolutely, 100%. Um, so please do find it. If you want to watch the whole thing as well, do head to f- football here. So then the game ends. No, it doesn't. I'm sorry, it's wrong. <laughs> um, the apparently Manchester City score, free kick, um, you know, collar off, 
maybe Morgan de Sanctis could have set his wall a bit better, gets beaten at the near post. I mean, um, I probably shouldn't have been mocking Hart because de Sanctis also had some wonderfully amazing screw-ups and goal, but at the same time, I kind of have a love for Kolarov. Uh, I shouldn't be yeah, admitting this. Yeah, he was a fun player. No, he was a fun player. Have you ever seen him do jingle bells? I have not, even though my name, <laughs> surname is Bell. I, I should. Just through nominative <laughs> determinism. I mean, yes, ignore that little bit of reference to academia. And even if you're an Apple fan, go type in color up jingle bells, even if it's not Christmas time, and you will experience almost as much joy as you have at seeing Cavani score this first goal against City. Oh, so good. Um, yeah, and then there's a chance towards the end, Pandev could have have made Napoli win. So it finishes 1-1 and the footage of the, the Napoli to Fuzzy in the bar is great on YouTube and they are celebrating the, the draw. But there's also a slight tone of like, we could have won it. And I think that's the big sort of takeaway from full time is that it was obviously an incredible result to go away to England in your first game in the Champions League and to, and to draw it and to to not just compete, but, you know, probably should have won the game with this wonderful counter-attacking style. And it just signals the beginning of what will be, in my mind, a pretty magical Champions League campaign. Not that we want to give too many spoilers away, because I think we can cover quite a lot of this campaign over the next season. What do you reckon, Kirsten? Do you, was it pleasurable for you to go back to this glorious era? I absolutely think that there are other games and instances that we can talk about in terms of us coming back to the highest level of European football. Um, are there any more articles that you've written on the internet with horrendous predictions I'm, from this campaign that we can, that sure. we can find? What did you find that on the Siren song or was it just uh, like SB Nation soccer? I think it's that. Yeah, will... you got to remember at that time, um, Napoli were not a big draw so I had to lend my expertise with things like uh, Bayern Munich as we okay. said in the group <clears throat> Napoli Villarreal did not get much coverage so hey you were getting I, paid to write about football like who who the hell am I to say anything well I what was I doing back then I was getting paid like practically no money to put on pretty substandard French theatre in London so I I take my hat off to you Kirsten um so I think our short blast of the past probably needs to come to an end relatively soon. Any last thoughts from Manchester City 1, Napoli 1, you'd like to share with us before we, we go away? I just remember that, I, I mean, it's no secret that I'm a fairly new Napoli fan in terms of it's been like 12 years since whenever Matt Hamschick joined the team that I've been in deeply watching Napoli, but it, it was so exciting to me to be able to see the scene being covered, to see other people's joy at watching them. You know, um, we think about how a city have dominated since this time, but at that time it was like people discovering Napoli and being so happy at doing so and being like I want to watch this team this team is fun and then we remember that this team got even more fun so that's yes. something to look forward to when we talk about other Mazzari era games great yeah I totally agree it's a yeah wonderful memory and um 
we're back in the Champions League this season. We could do a sort of parallel exploration, perhaps, of this campaign. So, like, and do if you're listening, do share your memories of this of this season and and, the, and those players. I think I've did a few tweets before we recorded it, and already there's lots of people getting very very nostalgic about about these guys. And maybe not just the front three, like Salvatore or Ana Capello Cannavaro, and um, who was the other dude? The Argentinian guy what was his name. Oh. Com- Campagnato. Yeah. Yeah. No, yeah. Campagnaro. Yes. Campagnaro. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that was our back three and we, we came away with a point. Anyway. So, so Kirsten, you're Katie Schloitz right on Twitter. Uh, you can find uh, Kirsten's handle on the far from Vesuvius Twitter account at far from Vesuvius. Um, this was an episode of From N to I. Uh, I'm at Henry Balcalcio. Thank you very much for listening. Please do share this and spread the word. And also enjoy Kirsten's absolutely wonderful graphic that she's designed for this show. Are you proud of that graphic? Because you bloody well should be. I'm so proud of it. It was my first real attempt at making something pretty. And I think it it came off pretty well. And I love the retro feel of it. And the fact that there's a donkey. There's a donkey, and perhaps we'll do an episode about why the donkey is important. Ah, well, we'll get to a little bit of it in a, maybe next week's episode. Mm -hmm. Anyway, well, thanks for listening, everyone. Uh, Take care of yourselves, and Forza Napoli. Come brave!